How's it going, friends? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Genius Foods. I'm super excited to have you with me for this episode of The Genius Life, which is going to welcome back Craig Clemens. You might remember Craig Clemens from episode 20 of The Genius Life, the hidden secret to getting everything you want. Well, Craig is back. He is a master storyteller and wordsmith and one of the top marketing gurus in the world. He also happens to be a close friend. So in this episode of the show, we're going to cover a lot of bases. Among other things, you're going to learn the cognitive benefits of exercise and why movement is important, especially while you work, why integrity is everything, particularly when you're trying to build an online brand, the unexpected origin of artificial sweeteners and some surprising foods they hide in, what powerful and influential storytelling has in common with Cracker Jacks, and why we each need a dangerous predatory fish in our lives. Wait, what? You're just going to have to listen to find out what I mean. I really hope you guys enjoy the free-flowing nature of this episode of the show, and just so you know, if you're sensitive to adult language, well, we use a little bit over the course of the next hour. So if that's not your thing, cover your ears or, you know, listen to another episode. Now, before we get started, I just want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode of the show. You guys know that I only allow brands to sponsor this podcast if I genuinely use and like their products, don't you? Well, that is something that I promise you will always be true. And Four Sigmatic is the sponsor of this episode, and they make wonderful coffees, instant coffees that are all organic and combined with medicinal mushrooms like reishi, cordyceps, chaga, and lion's mane. I like coffee, and there's no doubt that we're seeing a flood of quote-unquote functional coffees on the market. But most of the time, these coffee drinks tend to combine lots and lots of sugar and or saturated fat, which I guess manufacturers are now assuming that we all uh, need more of. But what I like about Four Sigmatic products is that it's basically just the coffee and the medicinal mushroom powder. If you'd like to give them a try and supercharge your day, go to foursigmatic.com max or use promo code max and you're gonna save 15% off of everything in their online store. If you're looking for a place to start, I really enjoy their reishi mushroom elixirs and their mushroom coffee mix with lion's mane and chaga. You can get a single pack. You can save even more dollars by getting a four pack. They really have a number of great things, so go and, uh, and check them out. Now, we're just seconds away from the episode with Craig Clemens, but before we get to that, please, guys, will you do me a favor and support this podcast? It's really easy to do so. There are a number of ways that you can, and none of them require reaching into your pocket. How great is that? If you really want to help out, you can either leave a rating and review on iTunes. Go to iTunes. Leave that four or five-star rating. I, heard, I hope I've earned that. And a review. That would be ideal. Um, like this review from SC Peggy posted on January 2nd. She wrote... Amazing content, vital and life-saving information. The content motivates me to be healthier, live more consciously, and care more about how people eat around me. Thank you for caring and sharing with us. SC Peggy, I got your back, and I got yours too, listener. I hope you have mine. The second way that you can support this podcast is by going to my website at maxlugavir.com and by joining my newsletter. All you got to do is enter your first and last name and sign up, and immediately I'm going to send off through the vast ether of the internet a document containing 11 supplements that can boost your brain. How do you like that? And finally, the third way that you can support this podcast, which I would really appreciate, is by spreading the word about it. Take a screen grab, post it up on your Instagram stories, tweet a link, tell your mom and sister about it, talk about it around the water cooler, and maybe even share it on Facebook if you still use that. 
All right, guys, that's enough for me. Thank you so much for listening to my intros. And without further ado, here is my good friend, Mr. Craig Clemens. Mr. Craig Clemens, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you so much. The pleasure is mine. It's good to, it's good to have you yet again. Yes, the that, pleasure is still mine. Just so you guys know, we're now uh, we're sitting in Craig's office overlooking Los Angeles. I'm drinking a delicious uh, cold-pressed green juice filled with celery cucumber although i didn't buy it i know you guys are wondering if i bought it because it was it had celery juice in it. i think yeah. we should start over i think we should do some squats squats yes okay wait actually is all this being recorded yeah okay maybe we just use this then let's use it okay well, i'm gonna do the squats and why, we'll talk about why are you gonna do the squats because the body and the brain are connected via veins and blood and if the blood isn't flowing into the brain the brain does not really work that well and that is why when you're sitting at a desk for eight freaking hours, if you do not get up and move your ass, which I'm literally doing in these squats, if for those at home, I am squatting up and down. You can hear my breathing change. Yeah. The blood just starts to pool, like, I think around your butt, right? Because that's where you're sitting on your feet. I don't know. Maybe not. I mean, the heart is pumping, but it's yeah. definitely not flowing into your brain with the velocity that it is Correct. when you're working out. Yeah. So that's why I think in order to be on point for the listeners with this podcast, we got to get the blood flowing and I haven't had any sort of movement in like the last three hours. So there we go. Squats. Yeah. It's, it's very important. I'm out of breath. Yeah, it's good. You, um, you know, when we walk it's, or do any kind of movement beyond just sitting idly on the couch, we create these sort of uh, micro alterations to our blood pressure. Mm. And those pulsations actually help to push fresh blood up to the brain with fuel and nutrients. Interesting. Yeah. So what do you think about standing desks? Because I've heard that they, the myth of spend, standing desks has been, yeah. uh, you know, well, dispelled. Well, I, but... I, I think that it's better than staying seated chronically to be able to go from a seated position to a standing position. And even standing for a prolonged period of time still constitutes what's called uh, non-exercise activity. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of muscle, you know, usage involved in maintaining posture, standing upright, things like that. Somebody who's very weak obviously can't stand upright. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It's still, I think, important to stretch and to move and to, you know, I mean, if you're even with a standing desk, I think it's good to be able to stretch and do calf raises and things like that. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, let's be realistic right now. Mm -hmm. You've become a, a, a much bigger celebrity than when you and I first met. So you're not doing a whole lot of like sit down work these days. You're just, you know, if you are sitting down, it's signing autographs or, uh, you know, maybe eating some uh, greens and uh, uh, adaptogens and things like that. Yeah. But like when you are doing that work on those rare occasions, mm -hmm. like sitting down, maybe writing your next book. Yes. Or, uh, you know, answering the many messages you get from fans. Yeah. Max, yeah. Max loves when I mess with him. But, you know, <laughs> a, a famous uh, blue check mark on Instagram. So, um, oh, God. No, but do you stand or sit? I try to uh, stay, you know, I'll sit for a little bit and then I'll go to my standing desk. And when I'm at my standing desk, I'll do some, you know, quad stretches. I'll like. Okay. So you own a standing desk. 
I don't actually own a standing desk. I have a, a ledge in my kitchen that's sort of like a breakfast bar, and it's kind of a. I do a bootleg version of a standing desk where I'll stack some books, okay, some like big coffee table books, and I'll put my laptop on top of that. And then I also have a product called, and I have no affiliation with this company at all. It's uh, called Ergo Driven. Um, it's basically a standing mat that has a bunch of ridges and valleys in it that allow you to stretch your calves and kind of like proprioception, you know, like sort of stretch and exercise your the muscles of your feet mm. while you're standing at this desk. It's a really cool product, actually. That sounds cool. Yeah. So I'm curious, you have such an amazing community. I learn things just reading the comments on your posts <laughs> and, you know, hearing the conversations you have with people at events. And when people generally ask you questions when you're on a panel, they're really insightful questions. Your audience is like, about it. You know, they, they know their stuff. They are. They're about so it. So when you get feedback from people, do people in your community say, hey, standing desks like change my life? Is it like a thing or? Yeah. You know. I mean, I think, yeah, like the, the feedback that I get is pretty positive across the board. I mean, the things that I, that I promote, um, you know, I'm a big fan of blue blocking glasses. I promote those and people, you know, report to me that they sleep a lot better. After reading the book Genius Foods, people report crazy weight loss, even though you know perhaps weight loss wasn't even their goal. They come back and they say, I lost 30 pounds and my brain fog is lifted and I'm feeling happier than I've ever felt. It's a side effect. It's a side effect, yeah. yeah. Um, what else? Yeah, and I promote things regularly on Instagram. As I sort of uncover them and find them, I like to talk about them. It's not, there's no master plan here. I'm not kind of like, you know, rolling out these recommendations on any kind of schedule. I just like, I'm perennially plugged into the literature and, and I'm a compulsive researcher and Googler and I'm always, you know, dipped into PubMed. And so when I make a discovery, I, there's like literally zero lag time between that discovery and my sharing it on social media. Okay. So to land the plane on standing desks, yes or no, yeah. you use one yourself or a version yeah. of it at or, times. Yes. So you would say, Give it a try. Yeah. See, it works for you, but not yeah. like this is like a must do and you must get off your, your ass and work standing or somewhere in between. Um, I think movement is the, is the, is the holy grail. Like any kind okay. of movement. Yeah. But standing is a nice alternative to sitting. Yes. Okay. So, so yeah. So if you, yes, if you work at a desk and the only way that you can interface with your computer is via sitting, then yes, get a standing desk. Okay. Gotcha. I want to, take the people listening behind the scenes a little bit on something that is totally off track. I want to revisit productivity at work, but I want to take them behind the scenes on something that happened to you recently that I don't know if you've discussed in public, but a brand came to you and was offering you a lot of money yes. to make a post with their product at a certain time in your day. We won't say what it is that you didn't think that their product was the proper fit for this time of day. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that you like really hated the product or thought it would like kill people like say, I don't know, high fructose, <laughs> uh, corn syrup, be, uh, you know, tricks, kid cereal or some shit like that. I mean, it's kids, <laughs> actually it's kid cereals jacked up, you know, most, most of it really is. Yeah, it is. Um, if you want to, uh, 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 not have your kids do good in school. I think you just find them the brightest colored, most artificially flavored, uh, you know, prettiest looking cereals possible is basically candy with a uh, cookie crunch. Craig, that, that, anyway, is, that is great, terrible advice. It is, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm studying a lot in kids' health right now for a uh, kids' 
vitamin supplement that I'm watching. Oh, wow. And funny enough, most of the kids' vitamins are filled with sugar as well. Hmm. Eat like those gummies, you know, like sugar, corn syrup. And I understand the company's dilemma because it's hard to get kids to take a vitamin, but still it's like they're giving them something like probiotics, which are supposed to like, you know, put good bacteria back in the gut. But then they're doing it with a gummy that's filled with sugar, which feeds bad bacteria. It's like canceling each other out. It's like watering a plant with fertilizer and poison at the same Ooh. time. It's like, what are you trying to do? You know? Anyway, that's a tangent. I, you know, I, 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 uh, I don't want to talk about that, but we just did. But uh, yeah, don't give your kids gummy vitamins. Anyway, Max was approached by this company, not a bad company. Obviously, they got great taste because they're looking to Max to shout something out. And they know that you folks at home know your stuff. And, you know, this was a real dilemma, though, because it wasn't, like, that bad, you know? It was yeah. just like, but it was something you didn't agree with at the time. And Max said no. Yeah. And it was an easy no. Yeah. And makes you wonder, though, because... If you look back, I mean, it just came out that I think um, in the 1950s or 60s, there was two Harvard scientists that were paid $50,000 by the sugar company to do a false clinical that showed that sugar was good for you. Yeah. And... I actually cite that in, in Genius Foods. Oh, do you? Okay, yeah, that, nice. that, that study or that... Um, yeah, that study, which ultimately it was uh, uncovered that these scientists were paid off, played a, a pivotal role in the demonization of fat over the past couple right, of decades right. and and diverting the blame, placing it on sugar instead. When, um, you know, the correlation between sugar consumption and heart disease was always a lot, you know, stronger. But anyway, okay, so keep going. So you had that come across your plate. Yes. And for you, it was an easy no. Uh, though you said to me, you're like, man, you know, that's a lot of money. I, I can't do it, but it's a lot of money. And that was what sparked the conversation. Yeah. And I, I wanted to mention it because of the awareness right now in the social media space and how many people are holding up things that like, you don't really know if they believe in them or not. Right. And I think most people that don't have the nutrition education that you do would have just held that up and said it was good. Yeah. Um, I saw, I don't, I don't like to say names, but like a, a person I follow on Instagram who is like a, a filmmaker and makes these amazing videos of uh, them like skydiving out of airplanes and riding motorcycles and all this stuff is like, you know, drinking his Coca-Cola during <laughs> it. And it's not, it's nothing new. I mean, you know, Michael Jordan, you go look at all the Coca-Cola ads. They got MJ in there, you know, right. I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing Kobe and Shaq and uh, LeBron and Santa all those Claus. people are drinking, drinking soda and Pepsi. Yeah. And it's like funny because this, this thing gets perpetuated where the worst foods make the most money. So are getting to have the best placements mm. that like perpetuate this culture of crappy eating. Yeah. And you know, this, this might even sound like I'm, I'm like, kissing your butt a little bit because people know we're friends and we were hanging out <laughs> yesterday at all. But I want to commend you in front of all your listeners for oh. not selling out to the man <laughs> when that happened. <laughs> Thank you. And, and keeping that going. But I also thought it would be interesting to have a, a conversation around that. Yeah. And dive a little deeper into some of the other things out there that people might not know have been bought yeah. into legality by the man. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you, people that are listening to this, I'm sure 
that are not new to the wellness world, especially on Instagram, there's a lot of paid product placement. And typically when you see a somebody who's holding up a product or endorsing a product and they've been paid for that, legally they're supposed to tag that post with a paid sponsorship um, so that you'll know that this is, uh, you know, there has been a commercial exchange. And, um, you know, I'm very super, super grateful if you guys follow me on Instagram. You know, I mean, at this point, my, my, my following has gotten to a point where brands hit me up all the time. And as you guys know, I only work with brands that um, I genuinely like, will use, um, you'll never see me endorse something that I don't believe in, in one way or another. Um, and I certainly am not going to endorse anything that's unsafe or unhealthy. So this brand came to me, as Craig mentioned, that sort of, uh, you know, in between. Like it's... It, it's aight. It's aight. <laughs> yeah. But it, and they were going to pay a, a significant um, amount of money. Not going to say the brand. Not going to say anything about, about the product. Or but, what color Lamborghini you would have been driving with that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It wasn't that much money, but it was a it it, it was a um you know it was it was significant money. Any any sit you know sentient human being would jump at the opportunity to do a post on Instagram for what they were willing to pay, and because uh, the product wasn't that bad, right? Right. It's just what they wanted to say right. you to say it was for. Right. It was like the the wrong thing to have at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Timing is key. Yeah. When it comes to certain foods and. Can we say what it, what it was around? Can we just say like it was a yeah. – I, I think this is a light way to say it. Yeah. it they wanted you to say say uh, the product was good for something around fitness. Yeah, yeah. That it was like – yeah, that it was ideally suited to fitness. Now, this product m- may have been healthy um, in the morning to accompany your dinner. I'm not, you know, trash-talking the product at all, but what they wanted me to tether it to was – a fitness related, you know, having a, as for having a fitness related purpose. And I just didn't agree with that because there are other foods that, um, that I felt were better suited for that particular application. And that little nuance right there led to me turning down the deal because I didn't believe in what they wanted me to, um, you know, to promote it as. Yeah. Crazy, man. Crazy. Have you ever shared the story with your listeners about aspartame? I'm not. Are you familiar with the story? I'm not. I'm not, actually. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. oh. Well, <laughs> grab a cup of hot cocoa, uh, friends at home, because this one is, is on topic, very interesting, and very fucking scary. Oh, man. So, in the, uh, I believe it was the 1950s, the heart attack rate started going up and up and up. And people... We're raising eyebrows, you know, having some concern. Then President Dwight D. Eisenhower got a heart attack in office. And that set the public into an uproar. They're like, what's going on? You know, we heard about this public, uh, this heart attack thing. And then it just hit home with uh, Eisenhower himself having a heart attack. And he was out of the office for like two months. And the government got their scientists together and they're like, what's going on? Okay, this is a real crisis. We need to figure something out. So there was a, a scientist back then. Uh, his name was Ansel Keys. And Ansel Keys was a person who had designed rations for the army in, in World War II. He was one of the most uh, notable nutritionists at, the time, nutritionists at the time. They sent him to do a study. I'm sure you're probably familiar with this part of it. Uh, called the Seven Country Study. Where he went to the seven countries where people 
lived the longest and had the uh, uh, most importantly had the lowest heart attack rates. And he found that there was uh, uh, less fat in their diets than in America. So he came back with his report. He's like, you know, the, the correct diet to avoid heart attacks is low fat. And even though Ansel himself would later change his opinion on that, at the time, that was what the government had to go on. So they started passing out pamphlets in schools that said, like, eat low fat. And the food pyramid changed a little bit. And they said, oh, butter, that's bad. You should have margarine that is lower fat. And the food companies had all of their products already in the grocery stores. And they found that if they put low fat on the product, people would buy it like crazy. And then they found that once the government, you know, propagated this message, if it didn't say low fat on it, people weren't buying it at all. Here was the problem. Fat at the time was what the food companies were using to flavor their foods. It gives a nice mouth feel, nice texture. And, you know, if you can relate to like having a, a nice bowl of ice cream, you know, like that's like that like flavor that it gives, you know, or a good, good uh, steak with marbling. But here the, the government was coming out and saying, oh, fat's bad, fat's bad. And the food companies started taking out the fat in their products and then they'd put a user group together to taste the products and the people would be like, man, this tastes like cardboard. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to eat this thing, you know? So they brought in their food scientists and they're like, how do we get these products tasting as good as they were before, but being able to still slap that low fat on the label. And what they found is that they could sweeten them up with sugar. So they started putting sugar into the products and something crazy happened. They put them out there and they started selling even more than the products did before this whole low fat thing came along. Before um, Ansel Keys and the president, when their products were sweetened with sugar, they outsold the products that were uh, flavored with the fat. And so the, how do the food companies respond? More sugar. Sugar starts going in everything. Like not just things that you might expect, like, you know, cookies and like, you know, loaves of bread, but like hot dogs and pastas and like ketchup and sauces and things like that. You know, like all these products just started getting sugar pumped into them, pumped into them, pumped into them. And you know, why were people buying even more of these? Well, what they didn't realize, and I'm sure some of your listeners are familiar with, is that the sugar feeds some of the bad bacteria that is in our GI tract. And, you know, when you think of the GI tract, like some people tend to think of the stomach, but it actually like starts with your mouth and it ends with your butt, you know, yeah. so it's everything in between the, the you know, your, your stomach, all your intestines and those intestines, if you stretched them out, they would go like 30 yards or something crazy like that. You know, there's a lot of space in there and there's, I think 25 trillion bacteria, something crazy like that. And some of those bacteria are in there. Well, they're all in there for a reason. These bacteria, the way they come to us is when we come out the birth canal, our mothers uh, coat us with this bacteria. We get more when we breastfeed and then in our environment, you know, digging around the dirt, you know, and then like kisses from aunts and uncles and stuff like that. It just like builds this healthy microbiome that I'm sure all your listeners are, are familiar with. Mm. And then the sugar, when it goes in, it feeds those bad bacteria, which are things like fungus, molds, uh, yeast. You ever do that experiment in science class where you get the yeast in the Petri dish and you put sugar on it and it goes like fucking expands like, <laughs> like, the, like the blob. Remember that movie, The Blob, where the yeah. thing just kept expanding and expanding? So like that 
is like what happens in your digestive tract if you're eating too much sugar. But the reason it makes you eat more of these foods is they now have studies that show that these uh, bad bacteria can hijack your hormones. They can gain control of your vagus nerve, which is the nerve between your brain and your stomach. It's like the gut brain access and like ping it, like send messages that say, Hey, I want more of these foods. Feed me, feed me, feed me. And it's like, you got these mushrooms in your fucking gut, like screaming, like give me more of this sugar. So the, actually the food, uh, filled with the sugar is actually addicting. And if you ever had a dessert in front of you, and said, you know, I'm just going to take one bite. And then five minutes later, you've eaten the whole thing. Then you can relate to what it feels like to like, you know, not be able to stop eating sugar. So the food companies did that. And, you know, it was, it was a win-win. And then the studies started coming out where they said, oh, sugar's bad for you now. And they're like, fuck, we just <laughs> had to go through this thing with the, with the fat. You know, now we got to get rid of the sugar too. So they first started changing the names of sugar, calling it like high fructose corn syrup and agave nectar and, you know, different uh there's like 30 names for sugar man it's it's freaky as fuck um yeah it's crazy but then uh they also started getting into artificial sweeteners and the that leads me to the story of aspartame which is now better known as NutraSweet. so when aspartame came along it had to go through fda approval like every other sweetener and what that means is they feed it to animals and then they monitor the animals and check and make sure they're cool. And so the company that was putting uh, aspartame through these studies that manufactured it was uh, a company called GD Searle. And GD Searle did their studies. They sent the animals into the government uh, laboratory to be checked up. And they found something very interesting. Hmm. They found some weird incisions in the animals. They discovered that GD Searle had been cutting tumors out of the animals that were growing from the aspartame and then just submitting the animal to hoping nobody noticed. So for the first time ever, the U.S. government pressed criminal charges against a food corporation for falsifying studies. What? Yeah. Crazy shit, right? That's insane. So... Uh, GD Searle is, is screwed. They got to pay fines. And like, worst of all, their aspartame didn't, didn't get approved. And they knew that was a billion dollar annual market. I think even more. So they were trying to figure out what to do. And they decided that they needed a new CEO who knew the system. So they appointed a guy by the name of Donald Rumsfeld. Yes, the same Donald Rumsfeld that ended up being the uh, U.S. general during uh, one of the, the Gulf Wars. This is before that time. This is like uh, uh, in the late 70s, 80s. And when they appointed Rumsfeld as CEO, he swore that he would, uh, he's like, I'm going to get aspartame legalized within one year. Mark my words. So the FDA was up for restructuring as well. And Rumsfeld was able to get a couple of his buddies appointed to the FDA, and they, including the commissioner, Arthur Hal Hayes Jr. So the aspartame gets, gets put in front of the FDA again. And they're going to decide, you know, okay, yeah, we know you guys cut some tumors out of the animals before. You paid your fines, though. You know, like, maybe everything's all right. But now Rumfeld's got his boy running the show. <laughs> so he gets uh, the FDA to assign a new task force to investigate aspartame. And they do a task force of six scientists. And the six scientists look it over, and they go to vote. Three scientists say, aspartame, fuck that shit. It's, it's bad. It caused tumors before. It's probably going to do it again. We're not having it. Three other scientists were like, oh, it's fine. Let's let, like, let it go and get approved. And that was a 
tie, which wasn't supposed to happen. And that means no approval. But Arthur Hal Hayes Jr., the new commissioner, he said, you know what? I should have a vote. For the first time ever in FDA history, the commissioner made a vote. And he made the vote for aspartame being legalized. And so it got legalized uh, the next year. I think it was actually that the day Reagan got sworn into office, it became legalized. And then quickly uh, deals were made with uh, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, and it became the sweetener in Diet Coke, Diet Pepsi. And that year there was something like 500 cases reported of people getting like headaches and dizziness and shit like that from drinking these diet sodas. But, uh, you know, Rumsfeld got it approved. And six months after it got approved, Arthur Hal Hayes Jr. stepped down from uh, the position of FDA commissioner to take a job with Coke, Big Soda, GD Searle. Oh man, at four hundred and forty thousand dollars a year. Wow, a lot of money That's back in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, GD Searle now has a different name. You might have heard them uh, known as uh, Masanto. Wow, that is who uh, they became through a merger. Wow. And aspartame, as of this recording, 2019, is still in Coca-Cola. Or I'm sorry, Diet Coke, uh, Diet Pepsi. Um, Pepsi took it out for a hot minute. They found that uh, sales didn't increase. Um, I have another weird story about that that I'll save for another episode. But um, they put it right back in. Oh and you can find it in products everywhere at the store that say sugar-free. That's how you know to look on the back. And it might say something like aspartame or sucralose or ACE-K is another artificial sweetener. Wow. And these artificial sweeteners are now shown to disrupt the gut just as badly as sugar by having, you know, the, feeding the bad bacteria and making the bad bacteria uh, breed more. They also screw up taste buds, especially in children. So sucralose, for example, is 600 times as sweet as sugar, 600, because it's scientifically engineered. Right. And so kids eat this sucralose in their cereal when they're, they get these artificial sweetened cereals mm-hmm. and it trains their taste buds a new level of sweet. Wow. So then you give your kid like an apple or a strawberry, which, you know, a hundred <laughs> years ago would be like a tasty sweet treat and they're like nah this isn't sweet man where the the skittles at (laughs) you know so this is how like kids get uh, addicted to candy and pick up these bad eating habits from an early age and these companies love to hook people early in life because that's where brand loyalty is really solidified (sighs) right man i I mean you would know better than anybody they talk about it with the cigarette companies the food companies are just as bad there's been several lawsuits where companies are like advertising yogurts uh, as supposed to be good for kids, you know, but then like, it turns out like the yogurt will have more sugar in it than a, a bowl of tricks cereal. Um, oh yeah. There's that, uh, that article that I shared with you, the 24 foods that artificial sweeteners are hiding in yeah. it's a business insider article. Is that the exact title? It's a great, a great it article. Is. Yeah, yeah. Everyone should read this. Can we put it in the cliff notes? We can. Yeah, yeah. It's max You'll get the show notes. We have a link. 24 foods that artificial sweeteners are hiding in. Well, let's talk about a few of them. Yeah, this right is now. insane. Yeah, so if you've ever gone to the supermarket looking for a low-sugar variant of ketchup, well, reduced-sugar Heinz ketchup is actually loaded with sucralose. Yeah, that, that article lists a, f- a few of the amazing, uh, amazingly weird things. There was a, uh, I think there's like a, um, I'm not staring at it right now, but a whole wheat English muffin that has like yeah. three artificial sweeteners in it. Yeah. And then Pedialyte. It's like, here's what to give your kids when they're sick. And have and diarrhea. It's full of these sweeteners that will like cause more diarrhea, probably so they drink more Pedialyte. And the artificial flavorings are really bad. I'm sorry, 
the artificial uh, colorings are really bad too, man. Those things in Europe now, they have to have a warning label to put these artificial colors in there. So if you look on the back of your thing and you see like a color like blue six or yellow 40 or red five, these are artificial colorings. So bad, yes, every country in Europe, Max, has to put a freaking warning label on a food if it has these artificial colorings in there. Isn't that insane? Wow. It makes sense. The uh, one of the the um, episodes that I that I had put out, um, either the episode prior to this one or, or one before that, was with um, Dr. Carol Kukowski of the Endocrine Disruption Exchange, and we talk a lot in that episode about not colors, but uh, fragrances. So fragrances are apparently, mm. you know, this big dirty secret of the manufacturing world. Any synthetic fragrance that you get usually are going to have. Uh, phthalates in them, which are known endocrine disruptors. So are you talking about like a cologne or perfume? Or are you talking about like, like uh, just like the fragrance they put in like a hand lotion or, or something like that? Or the, foods? What those you- fragrances, colognes, uh, colognes, perfumes, um, the fragrances used in cleaning products, mm. um, in cosmetics. Unless they are, um, these products are, are fragranced by, you know, with essential oils, for yeah. example, from plants or fruits. Mm-hmm. Usually they're going to be made with phthalates. And industry insists that these phthalates are safe. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, there are countless examples, uh, you know, and you just talked about aspartame, throughout, um, you know, modern human history where chemicals are put onto market only later to be um, discovered as being unsafe. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so let's put that in the show notes. Let's stop scaring people and okay. let's talk about some positive stuff because yes. uh, I'm getting freaked out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, now I'm afraid to wash my hands after this. And I'm a dirty man, so. I mean, people oh, that are that are on the Genius Plan that have read Genius Foods, they're not really consuming much of this stuff anyway. They're smart, you know, all you guys, all you yeah. listeners out there. I'm sure people that are listening are not big consumers of these kinds of, of products, but it's good to have this knowledge so that you can share it with your loved ones. Well, yeah, and the, the other thing is too is that you never know where this stuff is hiding. You wouldn't expect right. it. Like the last thing I'd be doing is like checking an English muffin for a sweetener. I'd be like, Hey, is that have like gluten in there or something like that? You know, but yeah. you know, some of these things where you go to the store and it's like gluten free, dairy free. And you're like green light, <laughs> you know, turn that shit over. And you might still see there's some like Splenda or aspartame in there are all these things, you know, because the sad thing is that as these trends come along, like low fat did in the sixties and then sugar free did in the seventies, Right now, the trend is gluten-free, and what's coming along behind it is dairy-free, and they got to make the food taste good somehow, mm-hmm. and that's not always easy yeah. to formulate, but what is easy is to just uh, hide some, some sweeteners in there. You know? It's so funny. It's like when you are in the supplement aisle of a supermarket or in a supplement store, and you're looking at all these low carb protein powders or protein bars and they all have yeah. flavors like birthday cake, red velvet. You look in the back, they are all sweetened with these artificial sweeteners. That is a great example and it it's exactly actually what we were just talking about with the kids vitamins. You're like, "Hey, I'm getting the like latest kids vitamin that was like, you know, in in uh Cosmo magazine is being the like cool <laughs> thing that like, you know, even like someone that you trust in uh the health space is is taking like a you know female celebrity or someone like that i don't want to say any names but like you know and you like you think oh this is a vitamin formulated specially for kids by a doctor you turn that shit over and it's got added sugar added sweeteners and it It happens all the freaking time Mm -hmm. man 
Same with the bars. It's a great point. Yeah, because these manufacturers, they want they, I mean, wh- whether or not they, they market the product as a vitamin, they still want to addict children to them. Right, because if the kids stop eating it, then the parents are going to like stop buying it or move on to the next one. Exactly. You know, so. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I wanted to talk about some value-add positive stuff for the folks at home that you and I have been geeking out on. Yes. And... Before I do, I want to tell you a story I read just before you got here. Oh, man. In researching for what we're going to rap about to these folks. I love when you tell stories, Craig. You're, you're so good at it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I learned from, from uh, you, Max. We got, uh, <laughs> we, we, a storyteller has got to stick together. We do. Because you have the ability to explain all this complex health stuff to people in a way that they actually understand it that no one else has. You know, I work with... A lot of doctors, it's very rare that someone has the knowledge and the way to get it across. And, you know, like taking like a, a meta approach to what we're doing here, the reason that these stories are told is it's the best way for the human brain to remember something if it's told in a story. You know, like, for example, if, if uh, Max and I had just been like, hey, artificial sweeteners suck and so does aspartame, you'd be like, okay, noted, uh, but like... <laughs> Now, when you think of them, you guys are going to remember the story of aspartame and GD Searle and, and, you know, what became Masanto and the, the shady thing with them cutting the tumors out of the lab animals and falsifying the studies. You know, it's like gives you something to, re- to remember versus just listing facts, you know. So if you want people to listen to something that you're going to have going to like tell them and remember it. I suggest giving a story. And actually, when people ask me for advice, when they're going like on a panel, and they're going to be speaking in front of a crowd and it's a panel where they don't get to f- put a full speech together and they only have like a short tidbit. I tell them, try to answer in a short story because it's, it's the most primal way of humans communicating with each other. You know, if you read the book Sapiens, which is one of my favorite books of the last five years, probably my favorite nonfiction book about humans and how we evolved from back in the days when we were at war with the Neanderthals to like right now, you know, implanting chips in our head and working on flying cars. And I mean, basically the cell phone is a brain to brain communication device. If you think about it on a a crazy level, like I can text you a message. (laughs) I got to use my fingers for now, but those are going to be gone in a few years. It'll just be mind to mind thinking, you know, Definitely. anyway, the author, uh, Yuval Noah uh, Harari, I may be saying his name wrong. Sounds about right. The book is Sapiens. Talks about how one of the ways that, that he feels we, we uh, survived when it was humans and Neanderthals who were like a, a more ape-like, um, two, two, two-legged uh, creature mm-hmm. that could kick our ass in a one-on-one fight. How did the humans survive and the Neanderthals are now extinct? Well, he says that humans could bond uh, in a a way of storytelling around what he calls shared myths. So shared myths are things that don't actually like exist in the real world, but that we can rally around. So like a common one would be like a flag, like the American flag can get thousands of people to rally around it and like fight for it, you know, or the church, you know, you know how powerful the church has been. Mm -hmm. A corporation is a thing that's like not actually like a real entity exists you can't like reach out and rub a corporation but it's something that people can gather around and and be a part of yeah it's a brand sense yeah a brand is another one you know so uh he talks about how they 
the abilities uh, go back down to storytelling. So a Neanderthal could be like, you know, over there across the river is a lion. And then, you know, you can tell people like, watch out, you know, like in the Neanderthal tribe, not people, you can tell other Neanderthals, watch out for the lion over there on that, that side of the river. You know, humans could put together a plan and be like, you know, the tribe has to eat and there's a lion over there and like, you know, they'll tell the story of like how their ancestor captured the lion and like maybe we could improve upon this, you know, and like let's rally for like XYZ tribe and come together. And like it was a, it's an organizational method hmm. that humans have and it's based around the story of that mythical object, the shared myth. So that's why when you if you go and like study branding, they say your brand needs a story because without the story, there's nothing backing it. You know, mm -hmm. um, I got into cryptocurrency a couple of years ago and they say that the crypto is going to like take over the U S dollar and shit like that, you know, but like what people don't understand, like the dollar is backed by something very powerful and it's not gold anymore. It used to be that for every dollar, there was a piece of gold in Fort Knox and mm -hmm. it was backed by gold and you could take it dollar to the bank in theory and get a piece of gold for it. And then I believe it was Nixon who took the, uh, country off of the gold standard and just let the money be printed freely hmm. and that's caused you know all sorts of weird problems um depending on who you ask some people think it's a great thing but anyway the dollar is not backed by gold anymore what is it backed by why is this green piece of paper why can i take this green piece of paper and go to the store and exchange it for a cup of coffee or an orange Lamborghini, if you're Max Lugavere. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Not quite, friends. <laughs> okay, yellow, yellow. Um, no, but what, what is it? Well, it's 300 years of history. It's America beating the British for independence and the flag planted in the ground with the, you know, all of us holding it up and it's Benjamin Franklin and George Washington and Paul Revere and Abe Lincoln and everything that makes America great goes into that dollar. It's not backed by gold. It's all it's really backed by is the belief and the belief is that story. And that's why the dollar is like the reserve currency for the world right now. Hmm. Will it always be? Who knows? But it's backed by the story. How the hell did we start talking about this? <laughs> we were talking about... Well, oh. you were, you were going to tell another story, but then okay. I commented on what an amazing storyteller you are. Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so... I would love to get some tips on yeah. how to be a better storyteller from you as well. And I, I kind of think we covered a little bit of this in the last podcast, so I don't want to you know, have you repeat yourself. But maybe after you tell your story, you know, you can give us some... Uh, you can give us like an a refresher crash, crash course. Absolutely. So one of the uh, concepts that I tell people about is... Um, it's called the free prize inside. So that is promising them there's going to be something good in your story that would make them want to listen. Hmm. There's a study that just came out that said human beings uh, now, because of the internet and everything thrown in our faces, our, our attention span has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. So now it's shorter than that of a goldfish. <laughs> oh, God. So if you don't know how to grab someone's attention and keep it, they're going to be gone. And some of the smartest people in the world have designed these scrolling machines like Instagram and Facebook and, you know, feeds that just make you scroll and scroll and scroll. So if your thing pops up and it's not like super engaging, they're going to keep going. So one of my favorite ways to make something more engaging is to do what I call the free prize inside. And this is, is not, uh, something I invented. Um, 
Yeah, I, I got it from a legendary advertising writer named Gary Bensavenga. And I think he actually calls it the Cracker Jack secret. Similar. But the reason why is because Cracker Jacks, if you remember, always said free prize inside. Mm-hmm. And then you want to get that to like open it up. Human beings go fucking crazy for a surprise prize. What are some of the highest watched videos on YouTube right now? Do you know about these things? These unwrapping videos? Mm. Like for kids, man, you can put a three-year-old in front of YouTube and show them videos of, of uh, toy eggs being opened. And a three-year-old will just be hypnotized by like what's inside the egg. Wow. If you go on YouTube and you type in unwrapping videos, there's videos with like hundreds of millions, maybe billions of views. There's people making like $10 million a year as like a six-year-old making these unwrapping videos. I'm sure the parents are producing it. I'm not kidding though. I'm not. Wow. No, I've I'm heard of that. I'm not fudging any of this. Yeah. This is like, you know, look it up. But it's because humans are like obsessed with like a, a surprise and like, but they want to, they need to know that something is in it. So before I tell a story, sometimes if I don't, if I'm not certain I have people's attention, I'll be like, you know, okay, so, you know, today I'm going to share with you three secrets to, and then I'll say something they want to uh, really find out how to do. Mm. So for example, I think like a, a good name for this podcast that we were, we were going to do wouldn't be like Craig uh, and Max Lugavere shooting the shit. That will get people who know who you are to listen, people who know who I am to listen. But like someone scrolling through a feed that sees these two random names is not going to stop. But if it says the three foods that are illegal in Europe, but found in most American grocery stores, they're going to be like, wait a second. I need to find out what that is. <laughs> and it's not, it, you know, and that's like the free prize is like the teaser, right. you know? So that was just an idea because of the like artificial uh, colorings that are, I think they are legal in Europe, but they need the warning sign, you know, right, right. but like putting something in there that like says, Hey, if you listen to this podcast episode, you're going to get something tangible out of it. Right. You know? So this story I'm going to tell you, I actually, I wouldn't do it in this case with you and I just like shooting the shit because the people that are listening to this right now, what up people you, you're already <laughs> listening. So hopefully you like believe in Max and I, and like the stuff we've told you already has you like not with your finger on the like next episode <laughs> button right now. And hopefully you're going to listen anyway. So I wouldn't need to preface this story I'm about to tell with a prize. Right. I would just tell it. Got it. That said, if I was going to preface this, let me think about how I do it. You know, I'd probably like, I like to do this in like a headline below the, the uh, video or something like that. Like, let's say we pulled out just this uh, segment of the story I'm about to tell Max. And let's say we were video recording this, which we aren't, but we we're going to like put that on Facebook. We put it in the headline. And I would say to this one, I would say, and this is just, you know, first thought, um, but it would say like, you know, uh, the one secret to make sh- making sure you are always growing. Wait, how about this? The one secret to make sure you're always advancing in life. So no matter what you do, you're always advancing. I was going to the next level. I think that could actually be said a little bit better way. And what I like to do is I'm writing one of those headlines. I'll write down like fucking 25 of them because you start to get to the good stuff, you know, as you, you go deeper into it. And that's the most important thing you're going to write for the entire advertisement typically, because if someone doesn't read the headline, they're gone. They're not going to read the rest of it. So it's worth putting the time in, you know, it's like that, that 90% uh, impact point 
it's a, it's a, uh, you know, if you're looking at like a Pareto principle type stuff. So headline important, write down 25 of them, put the free prize inside. Anyway, uh, this all started. I, I like these tangents we're going on. I Me hope, too. I hope people do, uh, you guys at home, let us know also in the comments, if you like these, uh, these rambles or if we should just be more, uh, um, straightforward and land the fucking plane, but, uh, <laughs> I'm having a good time. Anyway, I heard the story today, Max. Oh man. And I thought you'd like it. I thought the listeners would like it. And you know, the, the, um, story is about a, a rogue fish, a rogue fish, a rogue fish. I'm intrigued. Yes. So back in the, uh, er- early days of transporting fish, they would bring these big freight boats of fish into the Chicago Harbor. And the fish had to make a long journey from where they were originally caught and put in the boat. And of course, the live fish are the, are the freshest fish and would fetch a premium when they go to sell them in the, the market. Some of the dead fish, if they're too dead? I actually don't even know if they could resell the dead fish. But obviously, a live fish in Ch- delivered to Chicago is better than a dead fish delivered to Chicago. Yeah. They found, though, that on average, by the time the boat with the thousands of fish got to Chicago, on average, only 40% of the fish that they brought would be alive. Hmm. And that's a big loss for everybody. And this went on for years. And they didn't, like, you know, they'd, they'd try to give the fish better food or you know, like change the water conditions or change the sizes of the tanks, you know, but it was just like a long journey. And no matter what they did, they couldn't make a measured improvement on the amount of fish that would survive until one guy got a crazy idea. What they did was at the uh, start point of the trip, they dropped in a predator fish, a barracuda into the tank. And then they let the boat go to Chicago. <laughs> and while it was going, that barracuda was chasing around and eating fish and, you know, doing his thing. Right. But by the time the boat got to Chicago, they opened the tank up 60% of the fish were alive. So they doubled, uh, or they increased by 50% the amount of fish that, wow. that lived. Why was that? Well, I'm going to guess that the barracuda led to more exercise for the salmon running out, fleeing the barracuda. Exercise along with a reason to live. I, I charge in them that like, hey, there's like something going on here. And we're like the survival instinct kicked in. It wasn't like, yo, let's Netflix and chill until we fucking die. It was like, let's do this shit. Like the game is on. This is the fucking, you know, the the, the wilderness and the, and the ocean. Yeah. The, the, you know, the, the shit got real when they dropped that barracuda in there. They were like running around for their lives. And I, some fish did get eaten, but the fish that didn't were like on point and alert. And they had something to focus on, something to do. Wow. You know, I didn't so, realize the fish could Netflix and chill. That's, oh, man, there's a whole different world down there, man. Really? you got to check out Finding Dory. Yeah, they, all wow. kinds of crazy stuff happens down there. And <laughs> Little Mermaid is a very insightful one, uh, too. That, that's a documentary, right? Yes, yes, yeah. documentary. Yeah, it changed <laughs> my life. So what's, you know, the moral of the story? Well, I, I, I don't mind a good uh, Netflix and chill once in a while. In fact, my wife and I just finished both seasons of The Marvelous Miss Maisel, and we loved it. Highly mm-hmm. recommend it. Have you seen it? I have not, but I heard it was good. F- freaking hilarious. Really? Yes, it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think too many of us fall into this comfort zone of being 
like rising to the level of the Joneses, of the people we're around, the people in the environment we put ourselves in. And there's this saying that I love, and it says, you are the sum of your five best friends, the five people you spend most of your time with. So if the five people you spend most of your time with are folks that are just like chilling, you know, like, like some like basic job, you know, like a stale marriage, two and a half kids and, you know, like white picket fence or whatever. And just like, like living the life until it, it uh, isn't around anymore. And, and they're not like challenging themselves physically or like trying to improve themselves by like taking a class or learning a new instrument or bettering their diet or trying to do something challenging at work or start a new business or side project or working on their relationship and trying to learn, you know, you just like are, are, are going to fall into the same level of stagnation. And after you turn, when you hit the age of 30, you lose 1% of your muscle mass every year. If you're not like, you know, pumping the pig, right? Like yeah. you, 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 if, if you're not growing, you're dying. And same with your money. If it's not growing your money, it's D it's like hitting inflation. And like, you're losing an average of 2% a year on your money because of inflation. But the same is true with your body. If you're not working that shit and the same is true with your brain. I remember seeing this old documentary where they found this dude who was like 90 years old or something like that. And he was like so witty and on point. And they're like, what's your secret? And he's like, I do weird shit every day. And they're like, what do you mean? And he's like, he like takes out a ping pong ball and he's like trying to learn to juggle with his left foot with the ping pong ball. Hmm. And he's like, yeah, and today I was like, the, you know, also learning to like brush my teeth with uh, holding the toothbrush in my elbow. And he was just doing all this weird stuff. And he's like, that's how I challenge my brain to learn new uh, patterns and make new neuro connections and, and doing things that would consistently challenge himself and, and make him grow. So I think the way to drop the barracuda in your own tank without getting bit is to think about who your five best friends are and consciously spend time with people who are doing things that are interesting, that, that will also challenge you to become your best self and go on new adventures and try new things that might be difficult, even that you might hate, but like keep you doing new things. And that is how you're going to be continually advancing, clicking in that survival instinct. And man, I don't think you'll ever be able to prove this, but my guess is, man, that you're going to live a lot longer too. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So I'm going to make it uh, personal for a second because I want to know, what your intrinsic motivation is. You're a very successful guy. How do you stay motivated when, you know, making more money is not really going to change your life in any significant way? Like you've got everything you need pretty much. So how, where do you find that, that inner fire? Like what's the barracuda in your life? That is a great question. So I try to practice what I preach. I'm taking piano lessons right now and I'm really bad at it, but I'm really enjoying it. It's hard as hell. And 
I'm pushing myself to get better at public speaking and try to improve my own verbal storytelling. I'm pretty good at telling, telling stories in print, but verbal, I haven't been as good, especially if you put me in front of an audience and I start like slurring and getting all shy. Uh, I won the award in high school. You know, they do the high school hall of fame where it's like desert Island dream for like someone that's really handsome or like most likely to succeed or class clown. So I won most bashful. I was the shyest guy in the whole school. Wow. So I had to work and learn how to start conversations with people and getting on stage, man. Like I, I filmed the program back, uh, like 15 years ago with my mentor, Eben. And I, to this day, won't watch it because I was just up there being like, uh, so you, 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 uh, do this. And that. I was just stuttering the whole time, wow. like where he was like, okay, just breathe, like have a glass of water. And I just like, couldn't get the words out of my mouth. So I've been really pushing myself with the public speaking this year and uh, trying to get better at that. And that's one of those things where it's like the, the, the masters and the, the like people who are pretty good. There's like this huge gap, you know? So I, I see some of the people that I really admire in public speaking, like Brennan Burchard or Bo Eason uh, are two of my favorites and, and see what they do and I've been emulating them and trying to get coaching and, and things like that. Um, though there's another principle when it, uh, um, comes to money that I talk about in, in a blog I wrote before, and that is to want something huge. And for me, when I lived in New York, I had an interesting situation. I had moved there from Los Angeles and it was a huge, uh, real estate shock. Because as you know, Max, living in New York, you know, like what you get for your money there compared to LA, especially back then in 2011, it was like double the price for half the size. You know, <laughs> I, I was, uh, uh, I literally moved to New York and I, I literally paid the, um, it wasn't exactly that, but it was the exact same I was paying in LA for, uh, less than half of the square footage of wow. my apartment. And then I had a buddy who had this place that he'd rented for like seven years and it wasn't rent controlled, but he had this sick deal. And he's like, Hey, I'm moving out. You should try to move into my old place. Cause it's just this crazy deal. So I moved into his old place and for about the same, I was paying, I had like a two bedroom, two bath and I was styling. But then like, you know, if, like a year or so passed and I was like, man, I've, I've been renting forever. I want to get in the real estate game and like own a place so I can feel like I'm not going to get kicked out every year or so. And like, you know, add some custom touches if I want to like, you know, mount a fucking flat screen TV and not have to worry about ripping that shit off and patching the, the holes in it, you know, when I move. So, um, I wanted to buy something and because I had this crazy deal on the apartment, I would have had to spend so much money to buy something that was the equivalent of what I was renting. I, I was like so far from being able to afford it, but it gave me a goal. It's like, okay, I need to like really step my game up if I'm going to be able to afford to buy something that is just the same size as this thing I'm, I'm renting now. And I also had the, the fact that like I, I lived above this restaurant where like I'd go into the elevator and there'd be like a fucking rack of salmon. <laughs> so I'd be like, I'd be like, you know, like uh, bringing like a, a, you know, I'd be like on a date or whatever, you know, like walking out with like a girl, like, you know, go in my elevator. There's like this like huge, like catering tray of like salmons. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You know, so like it, was, it wasn't the, the classiest uh, uh, building either, you know, so I wanted to move on up. Oh man. Uh, so that, that's what I, I call it. Want something huge, you know? And like, uh, I, 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 uh, right now my goal is I want to create a research center and hire some of these brilliant scientists that right now usually go to places like Google, Facebook, 
and, you know, work on things like making you scroll through the newsfeed more and more and more and, you know, click on more ads and stuff. I want to hire these people and have them work on something I think is far more interesting, which is hacking human and intelligent mammal communication. So dolphins, elephants, whales, octopus, there, there's studies now showing that octopus could be like super brilliant. Hmm. And I think we have things to learn from these creatures. Yeah. So uh, craziest story I've heard. Um, I'll, I'll tell you too. I don't know um, how we're doing on time. But, we, uh, we have a little more time, but we got to, we got to, you know. Okay. This will be great to close on. Yeah. So dolphins, you hear them chirping, you know, and they're making their little like, like sonar type screeching. But yeah. It's like, you know, what are they actually saying? And what can be said in the chirp? Well, now there's, there's theories that those like chirps that dolphins make might not be single sounds. They might be like little blockchains with all types of information on them. Or like think of like a little like paragraph sent from one to another in like a little chirp that could have all of these complex sounds in that that we don't have the ability to decipher yet with our modern recording equipment. Because they use the ocean and the the vibrations of the surroundings to like enhance their hearing, right? So they do this experiment where they have two dolphins and one of them gets taught how to go... uh, um, do a long swim and then jump out of the water and do a flip. They bring another dolphin in and that has never been trained before. And they put it uh, with the, the trained dolphin and they tell this dolphin, the trained dolphin to like go do the flip with his friend. And so they both dolphins will start swimming out, start swimming out. And the trained dolphin will like look at the other and go like, and then they will both jump out of the water and do the flip and come back in. Wow. So it like the, the one dolphin can tell the other like that quickly, like, Hey, we're going to do a backflip. Now. That's amazing. Like Crazy. Right. Yeah. And then the uh, other thing that really is spooky, but awesome. So there was a, a man, I, I shoot. I wish I was blanking on his name, but this, this man lived among the elephants and researched uh, them and, and was a big champion for elephant conservation. And um, this is, you know, in the, in the, plains of uh, Africa and he passed away and there was, um, you know, big funeral uh, for this man when he died and there was different uh, packs of elephants that he would study. The day of the funeral, a pack of elephants showed up Wow! that had marched 12 miles to come to the same spot where his funeral was. That is unbelievable. Now, I mean, I guess they could have been just passing through, but it wasn't like a normal place where these elephants would have gone. I think, I mean, I think animals are profoundly intelligent. That's why I, I mean, I, I live in a state of perpetual cognitive dissonance because I like to eat them. You know, I mean, I think that eating animals, properly raised animals is, a, is, is good for us. But I also think that the suffering of animals is, you know, an abominable you know, fact that, uh, well, you know, it's not, it's just a fact of modern life. It's not a necessary evil of food production, but animals are suffering all around the world all the time. Yes. And, you know, that's something that, that really bothers me. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, uh, the folks at home, Max and I are really excited now because we found this place in LA called Bel Campo yeah. and it's a burger joint that only 
serves meat from their own farm in Mount Shasta, where all the animals are humanely raised on the pasture and treated without hormones and fed a, a natural diet that they're supposed to be eating. Yeah. So you can go to this place and get a burger and they have a whole butcher shop. You can get all the meats there and you know it's humanely raised. It's actually and, the and they best. Said they have seven locations too and it's wow. delicious. Yeah. But probably the best burger I've had in LA. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Belcampo is yeah. the name of it. So good. So yeah. So that, I mean, these animals, they, they know things that we don't, and I think they have things to teach us. And I believe that they might hold the secrets to us not blowing this planet up. You know, I mean, who knows better than what's exactly going on with the oceans than those who live in it that are in theory, as intelligent as we humans are, but maybe more. Who knows, you know? I mean, they say, oh, if dolphins are so intelligent, why didn't they build skyscrapers and shit like that, you know? And then some people are like, well, dolphins don't have opposable thumbs, so they couldn't grab anything. Um, how about it's smarter to swim and have sex and play with your kids all day and, like, eat fresh fish than, like, have to go slug out a fucking eight-hour day and, like, get seduced by people trying to rub aspartame all up in your face. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. maybe they know little, little things that we don't. So my dream, my big thing that I want to be able to uh, support it's going to take some money to do so is a research center that hacks the communication of these intelligent mammals, allowing one day, hopefully to have uh, you and I do a show with a dolphin as our special guest. <laughs> I would love that. And I, th I, this is the first time I'm hearing of this and I'm, I couldn't be more thrilled. Like I, I think that's an amazing idea. I, I feel like f five years from one, well, maybe not five years, but 10 years, 20 years, there's, there is going to be a time where we look back at, all of the time spent where there was no communication between us and other and other animals as being sort of like a dark ages. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's so much to be discovered and it's like we're sitting right in front of our noses, you know, kind of like the microbiome was before they discovered like, whoa, there's, you know, trillions of these, these uh, homies like, you know, living in us, helping us out. So. There's nothing that I would love more than to be able to communicate with my cat. Right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like we do have a good communication, but it's... You know, I mean, she's a very personable little cat. Yeah. And she's very communicative. And sometimes I feel like she, you know, wants to, she's like trying to communicate and, yeah. and almost gets frustrated that. You well, know, you should like, read the five love languages because oh. it sounds like your cat might be verbal and you might be touched. Is that you know, it? That could, <laughs> yeah. be, that could be a start. But yeah. Someday <laughs> down the road. So yeah, that's a goal. And, and if you're listening and if, if that sounds exciting to you and you want to get involved or something, you know, I'd love to hear from you. It's well, it's, it's not something I'm, I'm doing right now. It's going to be something I'm doing down the road. So that's uh, so cool. You know, the more people involved to, to make this happen, I think, you know, the power of the, the group mind is something I believe in highly. So uh, give me a shout. Definitely. We, so we're out of time and uh, this is the perfect place to ask where listeners can find you over the, uh, the social web. So I'm on the gram. Uh, Craig R. Clemens, that's C-R-A-I-G-R-C-L-E-M-E-N-S, or Medium. I have a blog there. I'm, I'm really crappy at updating social media, but I'm getting better on it, and it's my goal for 2019 yeah. to be more consistent and put more content out. i just been like in a whole like learning all of this stuff because I wanted to be able to give it out in a way that is like really actionable and figure out some concepts that would be most valuable to people. And I finally, I think figured out something that I can give that's super, um, I think, uh, uh, 
that's a unique spin on some things that has helped people understand it. Yeah. So yeah, please uh, come on over, say hello, love hearing from people. And I'm going to be releasing a lot more of that uh, content this year uh, because I, I'm writing a book. Oh man. That is going to be, I haven't decided if I'm going to do a traditional publisher or publish it myself or anyway, love for people to come on board and, and, and give me a shout. Let me know uh, what you thought of the content on this podcast, what you want to hear more of from, uh, you know, Max and I love to, to hang and do this stuff. And, uh, we talked about doing more of these together too. So, uh, please let us know if you want to hear more of, uh, Max and my, uh, mad rants. And also if you would like some video too, cause we thought about popping on some video cameras Yeah. and, uh, maybe even going to places like Belcampo and, uh, you know, talking about some, some spots around town, some things we like, yep. you know, maybe we can even bring your cat on and like attempt to communicate. I'd you love know, that. That could be yeah. an interesting video. Yeah. Too. yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, guys, the best way that you can show Craig and I that you enjoyed this episode is by sharing the episode on social mm -hmm. media. Yeah. Take a screen grab, put it up on your Instagram stories, tag Craig R. Clemens, tag me. That would mean the world. Help spread the word about what we're doing here at The Genius Life. And we got to wrap. But before we do, Craig, I'm going to ask you the last question that everybody gets asked. Um, and I, I, feel, I feel like I've asked this to you the last time that you were on the podcast. Well, I don't it, know what you're going to ask me. Okay, so. so that's a good thing. Okay, yeah. Um, what does it mean to you to live a genius life? What does that mean to you? Did you ask me this before? If you did, I totally it's, forgot. It's possible. But the yeah. thing is, I like to ask it nonetheless yeah. because you know, your answer may have changed. I, I believe that the key to living a genius life is to understand that there are systems out there that are designed to like keep you in them keep you stagnant and keep you from success. I call them the machines. We're going to dive deeper into this on a future podcast, <laughs> but you need to identify that there are things out there. And one that's very well known is the rat race. Right. I think that's like the business machine that keeps you like on that track and like doesn't want you to break out, you know. And then there's another one I call the procrastination machine, which is your email box that like uh, and your social media feeds and all that stuff coming together to like keep you clicking around and like checking updates and not actually getting real work done. And I think recognizing that there's these like things out there that other people are building to hold you back and that's your job to spot them, slay them and be your best self is the key to living that genius life. I love that, fam. About about it. Mic drop. All right. Can you leave us with a Bane impression? Well. Oh, man. I was, <laughs> I'm like out. I, I was studying Bane, and I, I've like lost it. You know? Me and Craig are trying really to. adopted the darkness. That, that was. I was born in it. Very good. Molded by it. <laughs> by the time I saw light, I was already a man. Blinded. <laughs> <laughs> oh right. my god alright guys thank you so much for tuning in as always I love and appreciate you and your attention and I value it and this has been another episode of The Genius Life peace <laughs>